everybody. I'm Amy. This is my wife, Maggie. And together we are Thinkathema. And we're back for another episode of 10, out of 10, where we ambitiously... Far too ambitiously. Far too ambitiously. (laughs) Thought we'd start making a series where we rate every game in our collection and Mm. we are getting nowhere. This is like the treadmill to nowhere. This is... This, this is the whole drop in the ocean and then like, what is it? Like when you're trying to like take water from the ocean and put it in a hole, just like two steps away from the ocean, it just kind of goes back. It's just weird. Or maybe you're it. using like a tiny cup to like get the water out of a boat and then someone else is pouring a bucket in. Yeah. That's, Wait, that's so what's is the bucket here. in the new games? I don't the bucket understand. Is the, the I, I got lost in yeah. the analogy. <laughs> I think that's enough for that analogy. But anyway, we're going to keep doing this. And this time we've got a couple of old games, a couple of new games um, and everything in between. So yeah. I'm excited. There's a couple of solo games in here too. There, yeah, this is true. And also yeah. I like there's a lot of variety of sizes as well. There's from very, very small box games mm-hmm. to pretty big uh massive experiences okay so let's get into it the first let's one is an old classic it is la Havre by uve rosenberg and this game brings us so much joy in this game you are managing a harbor where you are going to be building ships you're going to be gaining resources and you're going to be building buildings Sounds pretty simple. Classic Euro. Um, But what you're going to be doing on your turn is very simple. You're going to be moving a little ship meeple and then you're going to be replenishing some offers of different resources and then your only choices are do you take um, a resource, all Mm. of one type, or do you use a building? So Mm. those are your two choices, which makes this game, the steps in this game, really simple. But... I don't know. There's something about this game that is just so much fun because what happens is you start building these buildings that either are in front of you or your opponents are building them in front Mm. of them. And you can use your own and Mm -hmm. you can use opponents. But when you use opponents, generally speaking, you need to pay them. And sometimes you need to pay them with food. And food is a very important resource in this game. Classic Uwe Rosenberg. At the end of each round, you are going to have to pay for your town or your workers in Mm -hmm. your harbor and that is going to escalate very very quickly round to round (laughs) but then also there's this amazing hierarchy of buildings in this game so Mm -hmm. uh, when you have built one it's going to give you uh, you know a particular type of resource and when you're gaining more resources then you're going to be able to get a more powerful building and you once you're you've built up your harbor with buildings then you're going to start building ships and ships have two advantages they are going to have built-in food which is amazing. So handy. So helpful in the Uh, later stages. But then also they're going to help you ship goods so you can start to sell goods as well. So make some money. This Mm -hmm. this whole economy, it is an incredible game. It is an oldie but a a goodie. Yeah, this is one of those that we we recently sort of decided to, hey, let's bring that back back out of the shelf and have a play of it. Oh my goodness, it still hits so right. Like it's just, and you inevitably, like we've sort of brought more more people to kind of have a play of it. People that we now introduce to like more modern or the newer kind of games, and they're like, okay, this doesn't look as visually as uh, flashy or appealing as some of the other stuff that we play with you. But then as soon as you start playing, they're like, oh my goodness, okay, okay. And then that food reveal of like, oh, by the end of this round, we're going to need to pay how much? Like, I love that every yeah. time. And yeah. you get so few turns even each round. So yeah. that food requirement is always just so much pressure. Mm. Um, but I really love it because I like the way that you can play out different strategies across games. So you can focus on different types of buildings, different types of resources. Mm. It's it's really, really clever and yeah. still worth your time if you haven't had a chance to play this one. Yeah. Um, I rated it a nine, uh, which shows just how 
high up this will be in our collection. It is it's fantastic. I rate it a nine as well. So ah, there you there go. You we go. agree on that one. We agree yeah. on Uwe yeah. Rosenberg. If nothing yes. else, we both tend to rate we were like, very Yeah, high. we both we where we meet. Yeah. Um yeah, anyway, so that's Le Havre. That is Le Havre. Now we'll move over to me. I'll actually start with uh, a fairly Ooh. Very new game. Yeah, very new game. And a very big one, so I was just going to move so you have more space. Yes, so this is Imperium Horizons. So this is a standalone uh, sequel to uh, Imperium, which we have Classics and Legends. So this is a deck-building game uh, about all... uh, You're playing as different civilizations, and they're all outrageously asymmetric. So this is not just like, oh, I have a couple more things. No, no, no. Your entire deck. So each civilization has their own deck and it's got a completely different strategy, a completely different thing that you're kind of trying to do. So the this one, when we played um, the actual um, Imperium Horizon, uh, sorry, Classic and Legends is one that resonated a lot more with me than with Amy. Mm -hmm. I think from memory, partly is I loved playing it solo because it's such, well, I love deck building games. Games, and I love long kind of solo experiences yeah. and this is a long long, long and it was long. very long at multiplayer yeah. and it's very. interesting because I don't usually like uh, games that have a lot of card reading and in this one every card has its own kind of unique ability um, but I just I love exploring all these different civilizations and all the it actually there's a lot of thought put into how each one of those cards in each one of those civilizations mm. even the size of the the, the decks uh, matching historical what those civilizations were like. Mm. So in Imperium Horizons, it's, the gameplay is exactly the same. It brings in a new expansion uh, kind of module that you can add on to, um, to and it actually is now going to be c- back compatible with um, the civilizations in the previous um, in the previous games. But this is the trade routes uh, module, which makes the game longer a, a little bit. <laughs> so Amy's not going to be too. Right. I, needless to say, this is something that I've been playing solo. There, there hasn't really been uh, any Amy um, experiencing of this. So this Trade Roots expansion mo- uh, module essentially makes for a lot more interaction. Um, well, interaction between players in that mm. you now have an extra card that you can exhaust. So essentially in this game, you're either taking actions or exhausting cards that you've already played onto your tableau. So it's an extra card that you can exhaust to now put a new resource type goods uh, onto some of your trade routes that you've played or onto some of the your opponent's um, trade routes that they've they've um, played that then also gives you gives you both um, bonuses and then when each one of those cards reaches a particular uh, level like when they get three goods mm. you can do a profit so it just brings in a few more kind of pretty exciting uh, actions as I said with this one it's got that expansion. It's got 14 new civilizations. The other, the previous ones were eight, I believe, in each in each um, box. Um, it's good to obviously have you know more sims, more things to to mm-hmm. explore. There, are, it's just a combination of historical civilizations and some that are more like science fiction or sort of uh, yeah. There's like the cultists that are a little bit more like. Um, yeah, like Eldrick sort of horror type mm-hmm. inspired. But uh, yeah, I think there's just there's just so much. Each one of those games, when you sit down, there's just so. There's so much game in it. More, like, I feel like a lot of people kind of t- tend to play this solo. Mm-hmm. The, the, um, there's a bot facilitation um, that every single Civ has their own kind of bot uh, card, which seems intimidating at first, but they actually play fairly straight, like, because, yeah, it's a fairly straightforward mm-hmm. um, once you kind of get into it. Because the game is so long, you actually end up learning what those cards yeah. sort of do. You mentioned to me as well that there's some replacement cards. Yeah, so it came, with, uh, it came with replacement mm-hmm. cards, which is uh, so that to, mostly to make them all sort of 
in, compatible with with uh, one another. There was some artwork that I noticed was also uh, corrected or 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 updated, which I enjoyed. And there's a lot of so it actually mentions all the different uh, cultural consult consultants that were used to make sure that obviously there's good, accurate sort of historical representation of things. But there's also a note from the um, from the designers going obviously you know we've made some attempts, but some some areas are going to be a bit of a stretch. Mm. So I thoroughly thoroughly um, enjoy uh, this one. I think I'm going to be doing a, a run through of it um, at some point. Um, but I on Rado's channel. On Rado's <laughs> channel, yeah, which is where we tend to do um, a lot of the run-throughs. I um, gave this one an 8.6. That's so high. Yeah, so mm. it's it's a game that I think it would be it would be higher if it was a little bit shorter even though i love it, it even though i love long experiences it it, it i feel like it, it reaches a point where you're like i feel like i've done everything that I wanted to do and I just mm. kind of want this to come to a conclusion now so I think yeah, I can't overstay it's welcome on the table a little bit um, when or I, a lot when we first played this we played it at four players the original <laughs> yeah. games and I, I just couldn't with this game yeah, yeah. it was just too low interaction but I'm interested in the trade expansion yeah. or the module it's still that... largely multiplayer okay. kind of solitaire okay. there is yeah. obviously the yeah because even the things that have a take that interaction it's just like yeah. oh you take an unrest card itself so, yeah, yeah but it's been so long since i've played it so and i haven't played this new version so i i won't rate it but um yeah, yeah maybe at some point i will give it a yeah all right so that's <laughs> imperium horizons i'll put this down here and the next one is a game that we covered on rado's yes. channel but in case you missed that it is aqua this is a new tile late lane game mm -hmm. um very much an accessible yes. kind of game so um for new players but also other gamers to enjoy as well because it has more advanced modes of scoring and they're mm -hmm. more basic basic modes of scoring. Um, but in this game, you are essentially building up a, uh, a coral reef, I mm. suppose, that is uh, full of marine creatures. And the way you're going to be doing this is you're going to be drafting from a market of tiles, these uh, I think they're hexagons. Yeah, they're hexagons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hexagons, that's what they are. Um, but they all have three like different... It's like, yep, that's six on Yeah, six on there. Um, but they also have um, three different coloured segments to mm. them. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to align them such that you create um, a set of three that interlock together to create a space for one of the marine creatures to go on top of. So, for example, you get the three yellows together, then you're going to collect a Nemo yellow mm -hmm. tile that gets placed on top yeah um, but the interesting thing is this game is played in multiple layers because mm -hmm. you build that foundation then you're going to be building out these small minor cr creatures so mm -hmm. like the seahorse and the nemos but then there's these larger marine animals so there's dolphins and sharks and they are going to be placed on the very top layer of your puzzle once you build the right shape out mm -hmm. and so once you've got the shape of a, like a dolphin which is three hexagons um, kind of like this, like a jumping dolphin, yeah. um, then you're going to be able to place it on top. And what does that give you? It gives you uh, bonus points and they um, are in descending order. So the first person to take that shape will get more points than someone else. But the most interesting part about this game are the scoring conditions. So mm. at the beginning of the game, you're going to randomize these scoring tiles or use the basic or advanced version. And then each of the sea creatures is going to be associated with a particular scoring condition. 
condition. And then, you know, that's about adjacencies. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, coral reefs that you can build mm -hmm. as well. And so there's just lots of different things that you can focus on to maximize the points that you score at the yeah. end of the game. And that's really the crux of it yeah. there. Um, in the What I really liked actually about the rule book was that there were different challenges that you could set yourself. There were different types of rules that you could use, different mm -hmm. goals. Um, so yeah, it does a good job of creating, like if you really enjoy this game, creating that variability through different things that you're yeah. trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, what rating did you oh, give it? Well, look, I, I really enjoyed my time with the game. It is a little bit light and it's very mm. similar in style, I think, to a game called Acropolis, um, mm. which if you're familiar with that is also like a multi-layer, uh, multi-layer tile laying game for my preference, I prefer that one. It just feels a little bit crunchier. Yeah. But this one is going to be really good, especially for families, I think, because of the sea creatures. It's a beautiful, beautiful theme. Yeah. Um, actually, the art is by Vincent de Trait, and yeah. it, is, it is stunning. Yeah, the um, tiles so are can, gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I can see how people would, some people would prefer that over Acropolis art, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is very basic and very, yeah. like, thinker of me to prefer that. Mm -hmm. um, but I gave, what did I give Aqua? I gave Aqua a seven. It's just oh. a nice, accessible uh, game. I also gave Aqua a seven, and I okay. think for me it's like I do love how beautiful the yeah the tiles are on the mm. table and the sort of those saturated colors. But yeah, not only did it feel a little bit kind of on, it's interesting because it's not just like it's on the lighter side in terms mm. of the complexity. The the actual scoring does bring in a bit of complexity. I think ultimately for me it's just too abstract, so I actually struggled to kind of really mm. get into it. Um, but I love yeah love the setting and love the um, yeah the 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 artwork. I will um, say though it's very accessible, but. Yeah. <laughs> If you're not good with colors like me, yeah. I actually struggle to work out how to connect things together. So yeah. it, how do you create that shape? Yeah. How do you create three in a row? How do you? Yeah. yeah. So it's very accessible, but not an easy puzzle. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 But I think the decision space is quite easy. Each turn, yes. you're just choosing one tile. And so yeah. that makes it pretty easy. But yeah, that, um, yeah that is Aqua. Aqua. Put this over here. Mm -hmm. So the next one that we're going to be covering is, oh, this was actually my most anticipated uh, for the year. So yeah. this is Stonespine Architects. Which is, uh, I think, it's, it feels. I think it's the same uh, universe or the same uh, world as things like uh, role player and uh, cartographers and things like that. So in this game, we're actually going to be minotaurs. I think that's how you say it. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, minotaurs uh, take great pride in their arch architectural prowess. So we're architect uh, minotaurs and we're trying to design the absolute best possible dungeon. Um, so so in this game, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be card um, sort of drafting. drafting. Yeah, mm -hmm. so passing our ticking one uh, card and passing around to construct row by row what's going to be our dungeon. So all the layers of our dungeon and the pathways and the elements that are going to be in that. So we start out with a blueprint card as well that gives us some, some objectives, some things to aim for. And it might be, oh, this type of terrain here or um, this particular type of monster or this particular type of trap over here. Um, and then we also have an entrance and an exit point. And so there's going to be points for obviously as many, the more items from your blueprint that you manage to match, the more points you're going to get for that. But then also along the way, every row that we construct, so we, as soon as we finish a row, we go into a, um, probably like the best way to describe it is like a market uh, mm -hmm. round. So all those rows are going to have, so the cards that we play have money on them. And also some of the, those chambers have, um, treasure chests in them that become like an ongoing uh, income. So we add up all that money and that becomes sort of our available, um, uh, budget that we have to spend on, dungeon upgrades mm -hmm. um, and yeah things like that and so we we sort of end 
up taking turns, starting with whoever has the most and then sort of working our way uh, back to buy upgrades, which again might help us with some of those blueprint objectives, but also the first person to go, okay, I'm, I'm done spending um, and any money that you don't spend gets wasted for mm-hmm. that for that round, gets to also pick each round, well, at least the, the first three rounds, an extra scoring objective. So there's always going to be a range of additional scoring uh, objectives. So along the way, you're going to be going, oh, wait a second, that actually will work quite nicely with my with my dungeon. And then on top of that, there's going to also be points for the um, every chamber that you manage to connect to your entrance and to your exit. And if you connect something to both, then it's going to count twice. So it's a very, very simple game. Like as mm-hmm. you're playing it, all you're really doing is you just, obviously, you know, taking one of the cards, passing those along, placing it, and then trying to make the best a possible combo. But I just find it really satisfying, mm-hmm. like the experience. What did what's yeah. your experience been so far? Yeah, no, yeah. I I like it as well. I particularly like some of the mechanics. I really love that. You know, do you want to buy something at the market because mm-hmm. maybe in the market there's that entryway that you need to add to it, the doorway, things, or yeah. maybe there's that slime cube or whatever it is <laughs> that needs to go in the dungeon yeah. for your blueprint. Mm-hmm. But then if I pass, I can get that end game objective Mm. that is going to give me so many points and especially because some of those end game objectives are going to just fit in so nicely with the dungeon that you've already built and others are going to be almost impossible because that's just not the way that you've planned things so it is really important and a lot of the time I do find myself passing just to grab that end game objective which I think you like shopping more I think that's why I usually win this game I just always get so much (laughs) like yeah and this is the same even with rondelles which we'll talk about uh, Mm. later I just can't let go of like I just want to be you want to get everything yeah, yeah. everything along you're, the way you're there for the journey I am not for the end game exactly um, but exactly. also um, in this game I wanted to talk about the drafting and uh, different player counts as well because mm. um, in this game I found that in two players um, you do add an extra card every time you pass the hand of cards mm. when you're choosing yes. the dungeon cards which adds a little bit more variability but I preferred it at a higher player count where I felt like I didn't know what was coming so much and there was more variety coming through yeah. as well so it plays one to five players I did prefer it at a higher player count I found when it was Maggie and I that I could just hate draft a lot of the yeah. time because yeah, yeah. you also in the two player game I don't think in the higher just in the two player game yeah. you discard one of yes. the cards and yeah. so you're discarding a card and adding a fresh one mm. but it means I could discard the card that I knew Maggie was waiting yeah. for so it, I felt like it was a little bit mean at a two-player yeah, count yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah anyway it, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's a good I feel like this is one of those games that I just happen to be quite good just at naturally annoyingly naturally good at and it's like <laughs> but, uh, yeah but it's yeah it's I don't know there's something about this like Maybe because I could plan it out, it's yeah. not as like exciting. Yeah, because it yeah. doesn't feel like so much of a challenge. Which I'm mm. just enjoying. Going, oh yeah, I'll do this and I'll do that. Yeah, um, I will agree that I like it more the higher player count because then also then the market, the, the options for things that you can purchase, you actually have more options because obviously there's more players. Mm. Whereas at a two player count, you often are a bit limited, and then the things that you want may never come mm. out. Um, so uh, yeah. yeah. So what did you give uh, Stone Spine Architects? I gave it seven point three. It's it's yeah. not a bad game. It's just a game that doesn't thrill me maybe it's the lack of tension because because you, you're yeah. drafting cards and you have multiple opportunities to try and fix your dungeon too mm. so it doesn't quite feel like it has a lot of tension which I actually me. I think with this one I actually enjoy because I feel like I can just relax and do mm, mm-hmm. where will I put this chamber where mm-hmm. do I put that trap so it's actually going to be an eight for me oh wow. so yeah nice. I quite I quite enjoy it I, I think one of the limitations with this is probably going to be from a replayability point it's probably going to be a game that mm-hmm. if you play it a lot you're going to need some expansions or other things because the core sort of 
puzzle. Um, obviously, every time you're going to get new cards. Yeah, different end games. And different kind of objectives. But it, I feel it's going to start feeling a bit samey, samey. Mm. Again, after, you know, considerable number mm. of mice. So, yeah, that's Stone Spine Architects. The next one is really exciting to me because um, there is an old game called Awkward Guess that uh, used to be probably one of my favorite games. Probably we don't play it so much anymore, but it, it was just one of those fantastic deduction games, those murder mystery games. Um, and what do we have here? Can you please read it in Spanish? Ah, Incomodos Invitados. <laughs> which is Awkward Guest 2. So this is only available um, in Spanish at the moment. It is going to crowdfunding, but we thought we'd include it here because um, rather than a preview, because actually this is the final game. It's just going to be translated um, mm -hmm. when it goes on to Kickstarter. And luckily we have Maggie who read the rules in Spanish and <laughs> could work out what was going on. Yeah, the, but, the game itself is not um, language dependent, no. so it was fine for Amy too. Fine for I me. didn't have an unfair advantage. <laughs> yeah. If anything, I can't logic my way out of a paper Just a bag. natural so, disadvantage. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this game is, if you've played Awkward Guess 1, it is this, very similar in its idea. However, this is a two-player only deduction game. And it's really interesting the way that it's set up because you are going to have a sheet that has a, um, a house blueprint on it. And that just like in the original Awkward Guest, there's going to be different rooms, just like Cluedo. Mm. Um, you are trying to work out who the murderer is, what weapon they use, and their motive. Yeah. Now, what's interesting though in this game is you play uh, two different roles. So when you're trying to solve a mystery, you um, play as a detective and you're asking questions of your opponent, but then you also play as a murderer. The mastermind. Uh, the mastermind murderer who is planning mm. um, to kill uh, one of the Berwick twins, because mm. if you know the original game, this game is all about the Berwick twins. Mm -hmm. um, there's Berenice and now Beatrice, <laughs> Beatrice and, and Berenice. Berenice. So and they were both characters from Awkward Guests, yes. who would sometimes be the murderers themselves. So yes, it's that's one of right. those. But uh, now yeah. they've both been murdered. But in one situation, you're the murderer, and the other, you're the investigator. And so what you're going to do at the start of the game is you're going to set up the puzzle for your opponents that they're going to try and piece together. So you're going to be choosing the murderer. Mm. You're going to be choosing the murderer weapon. You're going to be choosing their starting spot in the house and their, the way they move through. And then you're going to be removing some cards from decks and then creating a deck of cards that your opponent will be able to use to deduce what is going on here. Mm. So in that sense, it is quite similar to the original game. However, in the original game, you were trading cards with other people to work out the same case. This one, yeah, playing those two different roles. Yeah. So I actually really like the way they went about creating a two-player mm. game um, here. I, I did find, because I I, I, th I think this one had less mystery to it. I felt like if I could get through a deck of cards, if I could ask you the right questions, mm. it was just like inevitably I was going to piece it together. Yeah. Whereas there were more variables going on in Awkward Guess in that who you traded with and it's like mm. whether I'll trade with them again or trying to find fresh clues. Yeah. Um, so it had a bit more, uh, it was a bit more dynamic than this puzzle. Well, I felt. And, and, yeah, like that had much more interaction than yes. this one because in this one you're solving two separate cases. Ah, yes. And you're just... just so something else I didn't mention. Oh, yeah. The so dice. Yeah, and then there's... Yeah. Well, and so so I think it's interesting because you're not... Um, you're, yeah, you're not trading anything with one another. Mm. You're asking questions of the other person who's the mastermind to give you particular clues so that you can, you know, deduce and cross out different things. So I think in the other one, this is... This seems... I was going to say it's easier to set up because you, you're each yeah. other, 
are mapping out what are going to be the elements that play out in this case. Whereas in Awkward Guess, the kind of multiplayer, um, mm-hmm. the big multiplayer experience, you have set decks of set yeah. cases. And it was and a bit you have to, to kind of create yeah, it was a bit to that unpack. setup. Yeah. yeah, it was a bit to unpack, which people yeah. didn't like about that. But yeah, I forgot to mention that in this, you will be rolling three dice on your turn as well. Mm. And that gives you your options in terms of what you can ask about different rooms and of yeah. the other person. So the, the one that bugbear that I had about this game is the original Awkward Guess was all monochrome in its design. Mm-hmm. And that was okay because it didn't matter so much. Yeah. In this game, you are constantly flipping um, your sheet over because one time you're the investigator, the other, you are the master, the murderer essentially so mastermind you, mastermind that's just what they've called it to be nice it's well, clearly a murderer it feels, um, yeah. but anyway you're turning the sheet over and they are both shades of purple there's a purple and a pink and it's quite confusing and i just wish there was more color distinction here because mm. even the actions if they were different colors or the dice uh the faces of the die were different colors then you'd be able to map them back to your options much quicker you'd be able to cross things off much quicker so i actually feel like something that is a style decision Mm-hmm. held this back a little bit yeah. for me because constantly I was like oh am I on the right side of the sheet yes yeah. that's quite because yeah every turn you kind of go and we're resolving one so I'm you know the mm-hmm. investigator and now we're turning it over and now we're resolving you and you're I'm, I'm giving clues now and it doesn't so, help that the, the twins have such similar names yes. too so it's like what, and they which? look exactly yeah. the same because they're <laughs> yeah. twins so, yeah, yeah exactly so this was a little bit lower than I expected 7.2 I gave yeah. it so it's you know it I think what they've done is great in terms of making it into a two-player game. I think it's really clever. It's really different. And if you like Awkward Guess, you're probably going to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, so interestingly, it's a 7.3 for me. So it's like one one point. I did not expect that. Yeah. I did not expect that I would be higher than you on this one. Yeah. So because I still cannot for the life of me figure out how this deduction thing I'm just as confused as I am with awkward guests it's pretty funny I will solve the case and Maggie will be like I didn't have any of the things yeah because yeah, every time like after you kind of go one round one round like one turn one turn then you get the opportunity to kind of go reveal if you're going to try mm-hmm. and solve the case every time I'll be like no I've got I'm nowhere near but I actually do I enjoy I actually enjoy the two-player experience more because it feels more contained it is yes. whereas in the big kind of experience I'm like I am so so lost here I feel like I'm a little lost I'm mm. fully lost but feels like less than yeah. in the big big game so I think yeah. it's the asking the part that where mm. I just feel like it's on rails because I'm just acting like an yeah. automa I'm just telling you yeah. the answers to your questions and I have to be truthful yeah. and so for me that part of the game doesn't have as much intrigue yeah. but I think that's it so yeah. anyway right. that is Awkward Guess 2. Um, now, what's the next? Ah, oh, the next one. Look at this. It's a teeny tiny box. <laughs> and it's for Northwood. So this is an adorable solo trick-taking game. Some people have been playing this co-op. It's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Actually, I really want to try it solo. Yeah, I just haven't. Sure. I, I know, really I just haven't. This. One of our friends got really was visiting us and got so addicted to it. He just yeah. sat there playing it the yeah. whole time. We're like, ah, oh, did you come over to chat to us? Or yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, he'd have to go away. And then, like, would come out and be like, can I play it, can I play it again? I'm just going to sit in the corner. And, like, So for Northwood, it's, it's actually really thematic. So what you're trying to do, you're having, uh, you're using, um, you have all these different critters that are a different sort of, um, what, 
kind of like characters of different areas that you're trying to convince to by having discussions with them, debates with them to see your side of the story and then be for Northwood. So be like in approval or um, yeah, sort of like backing you. Um, and so the way they all work is you kind of lay out all the different uh, critters and they will all have a particular uh, number, um, which is essentially the number, well, one, a, a preferred suit, um, which is kind of like their preferred argument or the side that they, you know, that they're always going to lean towards, which is going to become kind of like the Trump, what will mm-hmm. act as the Trump when you're playing their, um, their scene, let's say. Uh, and then they all will have a particular, depending on where they are in that line, a particular number of tricks that has to be exactly met in order to, uh, yeah, convince them and go for Northwood. If you don't, if you kind of miss that trick, you kind of turn it over and it's like, no, that you lost your one chance. Mm. So depending on how many, uh, and, and so the, the, usually the edges, depending on how few or how many uh, tricks, uh, you're going to get more or less points. So obviously the ones that are harder to get, so the ones that you need like to win truckloads of, of tricks or like no tricks, uh, they will give you more points. And the ones in the middle that you might be able to kind of hedge your bets a little bit more. Um, you're also going to have these particular um, kind of uh, character abilities, so all these kind of allies that you mm-hmm. start with that can help you sort of mitigate because really you're just playing a two-person trick-taking game. So it's just like one card, one card, and then that trick is sort of won or lost, knowing that the Trump suit is whatever their, you know, Mm -hmm. their suit is. So you really do need to have all of these uh, abilities to help you sort of manipulate and go, oh, because I have to play until I finish up my my hand of cards. And as soon as that, as soon as I finish my hand of cards, um, and there are going to be opportunities to gain more cards, but as soon as I finish the hand of cards, if, yeah, you kind of tally up, did I win exactly the same, the number of tricks that I needed? So there's also even a campaign mode where you can actually go through different like particular scenarios and challenges of like, okay, use this combination of allies and this sort of combination. So this is the things that you have to reach. But also as you're convincing all these other characters to go be for Northwood, because now they're allies, you can swap them in and their abilities become abilities that you can use in to help you with subsequent uh, games as you're playing through like all of your rounds. I was so, well, one, the artwork is adorable <laughs> in this. It is so thematic in terms of like, who knew? Like a trick-taking game could be so effective of going, yeah, you're having these these arguments or these discussions and then, you know, through winning tricks, they're on your side or they're like, no, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. see. Um, and it just works so well. It's such a delightful experience. It's really tricky at first. Um, but then, yeah, I think once you start kind of finding your groove, you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then you t- you're ready to go into the campaign and yeah, have those challenges. Nice. Absolutely love this one. So this is going to be my rating only so it's an 8.5 for me oh i thought Um, it'd be even higher actually yeah i think i don't i yeah i don't know i might i might revise that i think i'm just sort of yeah maybe because you seem to play it once but not mm. like a lot you know it's not like a game that you'll play all night it doesn't have like maybe strong enough i think that's it like i i i think usually with trick-taking games the thing that i enjoy about the trick-taking game is trick taking in general is quite abstract mm. so you have that moment of like oh yeah yeah and then usually it's like yeah you can kind of put it aside and then come back to it later mm. so you said usually when i play it i'll play one game of it and then i'm happy to put it aside and then not come back to it for you just know a, a couple of days yeah exactly so i think yeah I, I usually tend to rate higher the ones that are like the games that i'm like yeah yeah just wanted to get it on the table all the time so mm-hmm. but yeah adore it so <laughs> that's for northwood for northwood yes what a mix of and games. And it's such a delight whenever you go, yes, I want Four Northwood. You kind of lift it up and then they say Four Northwood. I love that. 
Okay, so the next game is one that came into our lives late last year、um, and happened to make it to my top ten games of 2023.、Mm. It is Age of Rome, and it was a late entrance, for, a late entrant for the year.、Mm -hmm. um, it just got、uh, delivered to Kickstarter backers,、um, but we've been playing it quite a lot recently, and so we wanted to revisit it. And of course,、um, because it was in our top ten of the year last year, we haven't had an opportunity to rate it, so、mm -hmm. we thought we'd talk about it. A little bit more. It is a really interesting worker placement style game, and the more I reflect on how,、uh, the more I reflect on my highest rated games in、mm. this series, the more I can see that no matter if I try and pretend that I've moved on from worker placement, still... it still continues to be just such a favorite、yeah. mechanic for me. It's spot in your heart.、Uh, it really does, and I think it's like the tension of.、Mm. Most of the time, you can only you know place one worker in that spot. So when it's competitive, but this one's a bit interesting because you are going to be contributing to building these worker placement spots. So、um, the first phase of a round is always to build、um, these acrylic tiles、mm. that slot into the quadrant of the board that is facing you. And that's the most interesting thing about this game is that it has a lazy Susan at the center of、mm. it. So you can only build in the quadrant that is directly. In front of you, and then when you place your workers out, you are going to be placing them on top of those buildings, only in the quadrant that's facing、mm -hmm. you. And then there are going to be events throughout the game that are going to turn that lazy Susan. So each. Time you start in a round, you're going to have this different collection of buildings, and some of them are going to be more powerful than others.、Mm. And、uh, what are you trying to do in the game?、Uh, a whole host of different things to get victory points. So you are going to be putting votes into the center to try、mm -hmm. and get three votes in a row to get some glory, which is the victory points in this game. Or you're going to be using your、um, militia to go into these、yeah. different areas at the bottom of the board, which an area act, majority, yeah, kind of thing, area yeah. majority points. Uh, for the person who has the most or the second most in those areas,、um, there's these trade cards that you're going to be collecting. They give you one-off powerful abilities, but you can also collect sets of them for points. And then you've got objective cards that are going to give you some goals to go towards、yeah. um, for the end of the game. So there's lots going on. There's a bit of okay. Two things about this game you should know. One, there is take that in this、mm -hmm. game. Yes. So one of the worker placement actions you can do is you can set a scheme. And these schemes are essentially like a ticking time bomb that you're putting onto the quadrant, and as that quadrant then turns away, and now it's in front of、yeah. your opponent, you can choose to deploy, yeah, deploy like activate. It's like planting a secret、it. assassin that then just sort of makes their way to somewhere else, and then go, oh, surprise! Go, yeah, I think I will detonate right now.、Mm. Um, and so when that happens, you are causing them some kind of pain that you get to choose depending on your asymmetric character. Yeah,、um, because each of the characters is slightly stacked. Towards a different strategy,、mm. um, and anyway, there's much more going on, but I won't go into it in too much detail. Just as two things is there's take that in this game, and this game is highly. Highly interactive for that reason, but also just because all of the scoring conditions are kind of a bit like, oh, you put a vote in, so I'm going to go do、yes. that first. And so there's a lot of interaction, the area control, yeah, area majority.、Uh, so、and、there's race elements too. 
um, build some of the level, like the level three yes, of the different buildings, because then the is. buildings also escalate, so they become level two and level three. Um, and so that it's only the first person that builds a level three that gets yeah. a particular medal. So there's that element as well. It also yeah. has one of my favorite catch-up mechanics that I've seen in a while, which is along the glory track or the victory point track. Um, mm. That is how you're going to unlock workers. And so um, you only start with one worker in this game, so you start off very slow. But as you move up this victory point track, you're going to be unlocking new workers. But when the first person unlocks the worker, the goalpost shifts down one. So it's mm. going to make it easier for everyone else to catch up and get that worker. The next yeah. person goes past it, shifts down again. Yeah. And so I thought that was really clever yeah. and something I haven't seen before. And I just, I just also love the idea of like unlocking more workers, mm. the decisions you have to make around taking income yeah. or losing victory points in order to take to double, double up the income. income. That is tough. Every yeah. time it comes around, you're like, oh, should yeah. I, shouldn't I? Uh, and at the same time, I think this game is really accessible. It feels mm. like a mid-weight game. We played this with uh, two of our friends who are not gamers, not gamers at yeah. all, and they were able to get into it and they really enjoyed it. Sure, they might may not have got all of the nuance, but mm. they, they were really, really loving it. I'm yeah. really into it. I will say I don't like the rule book. Um, I mm. found it really challenging to, to learn when the game is actually not that difficult. But once you've got your head around it, it's really easy to teach. And so, I, yeah. yeah, for that reason, I really rate it. I gave it a score of 8.3. Um, it just scratches the, you know, that interactive Euro work mm. replacement feel that I love. And it brings in something new. Yeah. Oh, the one thing I, the thing that holds me back a little bit from giving a high mm. rating is the turn order and the way that changes. Yeah, the first player decision of who yeah. ends up getting the first player and then in which, yeah. Yeah, it feels a little bit random sometimes. Mm. Um, you can definitely house rule that. Uh, I don't mind the lazy Susan um, move. The way that it moves and how far it moves is randomized. But because the event card dictates that and that gets turned over at the start of the around at least you know where it's going yeah. and you know what's going to be in front of you next turn so mm. for me that gives me a lot of planning I just don't like the way the turn order changes yeah that. it was like oh no not yeah sure about that. it felt a bit unnecessary because well, it, it feels like very... it could be imbalanced yeah yeah, yeah yeah um, for me it's an eight I, I thoroughly enjoy my experience um, playing this game I really like the the table presence of it I like I love the those acrylic tiles and that mm -hmm. sort of transparent thing as you're as you're building them and yeah the decisions are, are really really satisfying like the whole do I take the income do I take double income but lose the points and then like this sort of element of like oh I'm gonna maybe I just take the point like maybe I want to try and like not lose so many points because I want to reach the next milestone to unlock more workers mm -hmm. and so yeah I, I thoroughly enjoy um, and you get to build a little pantheon well, I never do. You never I don't focus know why on that. <laughs> I never because also every time I find that that's one of the things that that's one of the take that elements oh, where yes. other people can start chipping away at like destroying the pantheon that you're that you're building, and I hate that. So I never managed like, to I reach. Won't, I won't participate. Yeah, I never managed to reach the level where it's like this stage is safe because it's like as mm -hmm. soon as someone chips away, I'm like that's it. I'm giving up <laughs> on it. Yeah. Um, okay. Right, next Over game. To your side. Well, this yeah. is a fairly uh, new game that wasn't really on our radar yes. at all, and we just sort of kind of came across it. It's called Coffee Rush, uh, and in Coffee Rush, you are running a cafe, um, well, a coffee shop, and you are trying to fulfill orders. But the interesting thing about this is you've got different, you've got workers on a central um, board which are going to be, as they move, they're going to be collecting ingredients that you then put into three little cups. And that's one of the biggest things that if you're going to run a cafe, 
try and have more than just three cups to put your ingredients into. Um, First thing to invest in, more cups. More cups, yeah. enough cups to, yeah. <laughs> so, so you only have those three cups. So the one, you have to be obviously very careful with what ingredients you get based on some of the orders that you already have uh, in the queue. Um, and the, I really enjoy the like the artwork of the different like drink yeah. orders and the names and the and why the why ingredients would go into that order. It's very thematic. It is very thematic. And so <laughs> then you're going to be taking those ingredients, putting them into cups, and then seeing if you have fulfilled or served um, any of those uh, orders successfully. If you do, that becomes a point. So that card kind of becomes a point. You can empty out that cup. You get the cup back. Um, but then your opponent is having to add that the number of orders that you fulfilled. They're going to have to add that same number in terms of additional orders that they now have to are yes. required to fulfill. When you do that, they start um, after it's you kind of take... Yeah, there's mm. like a queue. Then all the orders that you didn't fulfill are now taking longer to be served. So they start moving down and down and down until eventually they come off the board. And these are very dissatisfied, dislike uh, uh, customers that are going to be negative points. So you do kind of... You, are, you have that incentive of trying to complete lots of orders, not just because they're going to give you lots of points, but they're going to inundate your opponents with like all these orders that they're going to have. I don't know thematically how that makes sense that the busier I am, I guess maybe if the, the more it's orders like I'm serving. You're elevating the coffee prestige of the entire yeah, neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So now there's just, it's just busier. Like there's more people coming to check out the, the coffee mm-hmm. in this, in this, from all the, all the coffee shops in here. So it's interesting because as you're playing, the, the, the end of the game is triggered by, uh, usually someone getting to the point where they haven't been able to fulfill five orders. Mm-hmm. So you have this, you start out and it's really relaxed and just kind of like, oh, I'm collecting these ingredients, I'm, I'm filling these orders. And then you start seeing that queue of orders fill up and get to the point where you're like, oh no, I'm going to trigger end of game because I'm not going to be able to serve all these people that want these particular drinks. So I feel like the arc um, of it was really interesting. Also, the components are super cute. Like they probably are. a little bit on the small side. They're small and the cups are fiddly and yes. like you're constantly taking ingredients and putting them straight back. So at first I was like, this game is a bit fiddly. But I love fiddly though. Like <laughs> yeah, I love you do. just like straight away I was yeah. like, do I even need to take the ingredients? I'm just about to put them straight back. But then as the game escalates and you're fulfilling mm. multiple orders at once, then I was like, okay, I need to take all the ingredients so I can yeah. sort out how I'm going to distribute these across the cups. Yeah. I think the other thing that makes the game escalate really nicely is there are upgrades that you can yes. make to your coffee shop that's going to allow you to break some of the earlier rules and get more bonuses than mm. um, you would have otherwise been able to do at the beginning. So yeah. for example, you can only move orthogonally uh, with your meeple on the little grid to collect resources until you unlock the diagonal movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a huge advantage because obviously the yeah. more you can move around more this flexibility map, to collect your yeah. ingredients that you need. Yeah. yeah, And also as those orders are stacking up, you really need to get some of the double bonuses so that you can get more ingredients and yeah. keep flowing through. So it's kind of, and it's interesting because each completed order is worth like a victory point at the end of the mm. game, but you can exchange three of those orders to get one upgrade, which is worth two victory points at the end yeah. of the game. So you're trying to work out how many upgrades do I need? But as we've found in this game, it is really important to yeah, get those yeah. upgrades to yeah. help you with the coffee rush 
coffee rush. Coffee rush. That yes. you, yeah. So definitely very, very thematic. I also like what they did for the two-player variant. So yeah, it works really well. Yeah, in yeah. the in the multiplayer game, every order that you complete on your turn um, causes the next two people in turn order. So the two people sitting to your left to gain more coffee orders into their queue according to the same number. Mm. Whereas when you're playing uh, just two-player, you add one at the end of your turn yourself. Um, plus, you're also getting the orders yeah. from the other person. So it's it's fairly easy and it makes mm. it feel like a similar experience. Um, you yeah. also have two meeples you control instead of one, mm. which means that the meeples are still getting in the way of each other, which is yeah. the idea of making that puzzle nice and uh, so, yeah. crowded. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. It's like, oh, because then if you want to go, you can't land where there's another meeple, but you can go past them, so mm. over them, but then that's going to take up more movement steps. So there's always those sort of like, ah, oh, those tensions. Yeah. All so right. this game is out of Korea, actually. And yeah. Um, yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised with it. It grew on me. I gave it a 7.3. What did I give? Yeah, I, said, I actually gave it a 7.7. 7. I, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do enjoy this one because uh, it's yeah. just like, I enjoy that it starts out so relaxing and I'm just like playing around with the like, oh, filling my cup and then uh, reaching that point where you're like oh no oh no but and originally I thought for some reason I thought it was like a real-time game and that's where the stress was going to be no no doesn't need to be real-time and I'm glad that it isn't because there's enough like brain burn for it to just yeah um I also one other thing is like a lot of the ingredients are very round so as soon as you drop them they just like (laughs) it's like the foam (laughs) the milk the water like why are they all so round because it's just and they're so little so that's just one thing to be mindful of try and have good I really love that they made them look like the resources though so little caramel and chocolate and coffee beans so that's very coffee rush Coffee Rush. Now, this one has been in the hotness for such a long time, and we've yeah. not really talked about it that mm-hmm. much on the channel. So let's talk about it now. This is <laughs> Heat Pedal to the Metal, the game that everybody was desperately trying to find. It sold out everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it sold out, and I couldn't get a copy of it um, in 2022. I think it was the end of 2022 that it was released, and then didn't actually get to play it until late last year. So Heat is a racing game where you are uh, uh, Formula One, I suppose, some kind of kind driver, of car, some kind of racing in- car insert um, theme terminology here. I'm not a car person <laughs> at all, so I cannot help with this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So not really a theme that we would usually go for, but because everyone was, you know, speaking so highly this game, I got a chance to try mm. it, and then I thought, maybe you should try this too, because it is actually really interesting the way that it works. It uses a hand management system where you are basically trying to play cards out of your hand which have numbers on them that you're going to sum together and then move your car according to the number of spaces so yeah that doesn't Mm. sound so interesting so far Mm. but what's interesting about it is you have a little gear stick that Mm. is basically going to dictate um, how many cards you're going to take out of your hand in that particular round so the first thing you need to do is you just need to decide which gear you're going to be in and the lower gears are going to help you cool down your engine and Mm. so that can be important in your strategy and why is that because throughout this game you are going to be taking heat Uh, literally heat cards into your deck which is going to mean that instead of having those beautiful numbers in your hands that you're going to be able to use to play to move your car you're going to start having this really horrible hand of cards that has these unusable Mm. heat cards and you don't want that because you need options and why do you need options because you're racing around this racetrack except for the corners (laughs) the corners have very strict speed limits because you don't want to spin out um, because that is bad for a number of reasons in this game but you need to slow 
slow right down to some of these corners. So if you have a handful of cards with very few options, you're going to have to go speeding through that bad boy and you mm. don't want that. But <laughs> mm. also you need to slow down before you kind of hit that corner. Mm. So um, you need to have options in your hand. You need to be able to slow down and cool off your engine to get those heat cards out. And then there's um, other cards that you can add in. There's uh, lots of different modules as well in the base game that yeah. you can add in. And there's slipstreaming as well. So, you know, just like in Flam Rouge, if you're like right behind a group of cars, you can slipstream mm. past them. If you time it correctly, um, you plan it out correctly. Um, so, yeah. It is a it's an interesting game about hand management, mm. and I found that mechanic more engaging than I expected it to. Yeah, um, I can see why so many people love it for that reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for me, I I knew that I hadn't really enjoyed Flamme Rouge because it wasn't well, like theme wise, but then also like that mechanic of the race and the like trying to play your. I'm going to say something very controversial. Yeah. I think Flamme Rouge is one of my least liked games Ooh, ever. Yeah. I actually really, really did not wow. like that game. I, yeah. I gave it away pretty much as soon as I bought it and it wasn't cheap. Yeah. Um, well, and so and so everyone was like, no, 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 try this, try this. And I will say, I did enjoy this one more. Um, I, th- I think it's because, yeah, with the taking the heat and like understanding like the, mm. the different gears and the things, that probably made more sense. Mm. But still overall, I think just like a race uh, game and yeah, cars, it's just not my thing. So I'm just like, I just end up feeling a bit more bored throughout yeah and also when, I like, also, the entire focus is just like i just need to beat you over there like it's, uh, yeah, yeah i was gonna say though i think that our game orientation is um to especially you is to reduce risk and so mm. what i'm always doing this game and why i'm probably not very good at it is i'm always trying to reduce the amount of heat in my hand and the actual strategy of this game is to use boost when you can and to bring in heat into your hand and just do it in a way where you're increasing the amount of heat in your hand and cooling off yeah, and then being very deliberate and being very you. deliberate yeah. about it. and it's just something that doesn't come so naturally to yeah. either of us i don't think and then on top of that the theme is not really what we're into and mm. so racing games for me i just haven't really found one that i super yeah. super love yeah um so for heat i gave it 7.4 i really like it academically Acad- i <laughs> I do. A study in heat. Yeah, Uh, it is because it is a great design and I can see why so many people really enjoy it. It's a great one to bring people together Mm. at a con as well because it does play with the expansion. It's going to play even more players. And like we Um, play this over like during Christmas with a family and stuff and everyone can kind of get get around and be like, Because it's so thematic. Everybody knows what a car race is kind of like. Yeah. So So I think for those occasions it's perfect. I actually get the same score as you. I didn't realize. It's a 7.4 for me as well. So it's like I'll play it in those scenarios, but it's never really going to be the type of game that I'm like, oh, you know what I really feel like? And it's largely just because of the race element and the theme. I just don't resonate with that with that theme. Yeah, so, I think yeah. I would I'd bring it out if I knew someone was mm. really into car racing. But yeah. even in a higher player count, I'd probably be looking at some <laughs> other games in our collection just so I can have more fun. But um, yeah, that's heat. There you go. So now we go to our final game. Final game. And that is Great Western Trail New Zealand. You've been playing a lot of this. I did, yeah. Not I actually solo. Do, yeah, I did, I did a solo run through um, in Rado's channel as well, um, which was interesting because I'd never, like, we have played Great Western Trail uh, from back in, you know, even before the second edition had come out. Um, and so much. Well, so much. It was we one of our game, most played games. Yes, it was I one of those say. games that we, we sort of caught on fairly, like, earlier on mm. in, in our love of the hobby, and we just played it a lot Mm -hmm. and so we we knew it we enjoyed it and I never actually played the solo version of it and I think it was because I sort of felt 
Um, I felt like it was almost too intimidating because it's such a big, you know, it's such a big game. And, and now with New Zealand, um, it's it's a, it's a table hog. It is. And it's the most complex of, well, now there's second edition, Argentina and New Zealand. So New Zealand is all about, um, to New Zealand, you are a station, um, uh, what's it called? A run holder. So it's like you, you have a sheep station and you're trying to manage that, manage your, your, um, your herd of, is it herd? It's not herd. Um, I can't remember now what you call the group of sheep. It's gonna kill me now. So, so you're, it's you're be managing like every comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're managing your hand of sheep, and you're trying to as you're moving through this this rondelle. So you're mowing from the South Island of um, of New Zealand through all the way to to the North Island in Wellington. So the Wellington is the destination where you then want to try, and by the time you reach that point, you want to have your hand be as as diverse as possible in terms of the types of sheep because you're gonna be able to ship off. Um, and essentially make money, generate income for each individual different type of sheep that you have. So along the way, obviously, all the different um, buildings that you get to stop uh, in are going to allow you to do things like uh, recruit different specialist workers that might help you with constructing additional buildings, which will also give you points, or shearing. So this, this game introduces shearing where you're not, it's not just like in the Great Western Trail um, previous ones where it's just you've got cattle and then you're just sort of waiting till you reach Kansas or the end point to be able to kind of deliver that. You actually can make money from those or clear up your hand and generate income along the way by shearing those sheep for their mm-hmm. shearing value. So there's there's things like that. And then um, with the shearing value and even with the delivery value, there's areas uh, to the north. So you can have this sort of exploration of uh, the different islands towards the north of the of the board where you can unlock different um, places to, to deliver to. Because this whole other, just like with the Great Western Trail, you had like the train um, sort of stations along the mm-hmm. way that the more the, the higher the value that you, of your delivery, then the higher the value of the place that you're going to be able to place one of your discs on, which again, those discs are, they all come from your board. And as you're lifting those discs, you're actually making your abilities more powerful. So there's just this beautiful interconnected mm. sort of range of things that are happening. At the same time, you're also acquiring more sheep uh, and, and it's sort of enhancing your hand and f- uh, finding better ways of, of cycling through your deck and discarding. So there's just so much going on with New Zealand. There's there's even more cards that are added. I really so love those cards. I love yeah. those cards. Mm-hmm. So some people, obviously the simplest one is now just second edition. It's sort mm-hmm. of like the pure sort of basic version. Some people really love then adding to that the Rails to the North. This has, I feel like, those two. Yes. Plus, 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 plus. plus, plus. And it's by far I th- my absolute favorite I think version it, of these yeah, three. Yeah, and I always say, and people are always like, is that true um, that Argentina feels more difficult to me? But I think Argentina just feels more like a departure away from the original mm. game, whereas this to me feels more reminiscent of the original, and we always play the original Rails to the North, so it feels like an extension on that game. Yeah, I think because Argentina sort of introduced this whole like you have these boats and then you're going to these Mm -hmm. other kind of ports and that always sort of felt I don't know. It wasn't as intuitive yes, uh, that's, to me. That's what I thought this as well. just sort of makes it just makes sense, and it's uh, those and even um, those. There's bonus cards, so so cards that you can add to your to your deck. I love those. Like there's there's cards that are now like free play. So cards that you can bring into your hand that when they show up in your deck, you can actually just play them and immediately replace that card. So it's essentially like a free mm. action. So the more of those that you manage to get, the more free actions you're getting to do. So they might be giving you money, or they might allow you to do um, different things. So I yeah, and the solo experience of this. 
I was so surprised, was surprisingly smooth for such mm. a big, big game. And I loved it. I actually、mm. really, really loved it. So, what score would you、uh, give? Oh, this is such an interesting one because a, a while ago I would have said that Great Western Trail was maybe my favorite game or quite close. Definitely would have been top、mm. three for sure.、Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the case anymore. And it's、mm. not because of any. Any reason other than I feel like I've almost played it out.、Oh. But then when I reflect on it and I'm trying to give it a score, I'm like, but it's so good. It's so good. It's so good.、Yeah. And the mechanism's so good. And I love a rondelle.、Mm. And so I just keep coming back. I've given it an 8.8.、Mm-hmm. And that's because it is my favorite of the three、yep. and probably the go to now, even though I don't think it feels like New Zealand.、Again. No. So thematically、um, yeah. speaking, this was a huge missed opportunity in terms of like actually doing that theme justice.、Yeah. It was just, it, it does really feel like. Which is, is really disappointing to me. I、yeah. almost wish it was the original theme, but just Great Western. Trail fourth edition, or、so yeah, with all the yeah, extras, yeah, yeah, with all、yeah. the trimmings,、yeah. or something. But yeah.、Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I like、really、the sheep though, like but it's like it doesn't feel like New Zealand. <laughs> but、yeah. um, so interestingly, it wasn't as high on my top 10, it wasn't in my top 10 of last year, but it wasn't as high,、mm. and yet I rate it really highly. And I think I was reflecting on that, like Age of Rome, for example, was、mm-hmm. higher in my ranking last year than this, but this、mm-hmm. gets a higher rating,、mm. and I think it's just because the, the kind of the Foundation of this is Great Western Trail to me. Yes. And so, like, putting it in like the really top of last year, it kind of feels like the same game to me. Just yeah, like a、yeah. refined version and a better version it, of that game. Yeah, it doesn't so, feel like a while. It's not a brand new experience. Yeah, it's it's just like, like it is, try I think, this this I think year. A refined, the word refined resonates、mm. with me because it is just like an elevated version of this game that we played so much of、yeah. and that we loved. I feel like for me, playing this solo. Brought it, gave it a new life. Yeah, yeah I, I feel、bet. like I would have、yeah. been the same as you going. I feel like I've kind of almost played it out and then、mm-hmm. playing it so I was like, wait a second, I do love this. Like, this is actually so good. So, it's actually, this is an 8.7 for me.、Mm-hmm. So, it's still just underneath you,、yeah. um, your score, but yeah. still, yeah, fairly high. So, there you go. That's great. We're still in New Zealand. Zealand. And that's, that's another 10 games <gasps> that we've rated. It is.、Uh, amazing. We are going to keep. Trying、mm-hmm. to continue to you know, work on this series、yeah. this year. We have enjoyed it so much and it's been so warmly received by、yeah. everybody. So thank you so much for bearing with us when we kind of get to a new episode when we can. But、yes. we're also trying to review a lot of games as well.、Um, a lot of great games coming out this、yeah. year. So it is a really exciting year for board gaming. If you enjoyed this video, please hit like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and we'll be back with more board game content soon. But otherwise, bye for now. Bye.